Sydney, I'll tell you what, it's not going well for us at all over there. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for, we thank you for communion, we thank you for um, being able to share and being able to share as a family. God, we're all in the room, kids and adults and young people and old people, and we're remembering and celebrating the fact that you came. And in that coming, you bring a freedom, you bring a life, you bring a hope that we cannot find in and of ourselves. The world cannot offer us a way forward. It can't offer us a life. It can't offer us uh, a hope like you do and like you can. My prayer, Lord, is today is that as we look at this story that I'm sure we've heard many times before, that you will awaken, that you will open something up for us so that we are able to think and see in ways that we've never thought or seen before. Open our mind up to the, to the ways of the kingdom, to the truth of the reality that Jesus Christ brought. And I pray and ask, Lord, that that will transform who we are, will transform how we live this life, and will transform the people that we engage with and interact with. We pray all of these things in the good, glorious, and resurrected name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, I bought some new shoes the other day. And the man at the shoe shop said, buy them tight and wear them around with footy socks. I don't have football. I don't have football socks. So I put on some thick socks and walked around and he said they'll be fine and I feel like a cripple. I've got band-aids and sticky things everywhere. So if you see me hobbling a little bit, um, that's what's going on. So just black ones, Keith, just black ones. They were supposed to be very comfortable. Pasta shoes, exactly right. <laughs> Pasta shoes. If you have your Bible uh, or your device, please feel free to turn to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be having a, a little look at a, two stories, only a few verses. But the way that we're going and the way that we're kind of heading this morning is kind of based a little bit on uh, the other week. Uh, I spoke a little bit the other week about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, and I had uh, a significant number of you come up and speak about how you hadn't realized or thought about that or understood it like that before, and so I thought that we would take that and build on it and look at what Jesus said a little bit about this idea of the kingdom and why he came and, and what it's all about. So that's the kind of context of what we're going to have a little look at. So we have to sort of start... Our, our sort of passage that we're going to have a look at starts in Matthew 13 and Jesus is doing some teaching. He's going around and, and he's kind of camped out in this spot and he's got his disciples and he's began to speak to them about this idea of the coming kingdom. And last week we spoke about the, the Dallas Willard quote that kind of summed up what the kingdom was. And we said that the kingdom was, was where what God wants to be done is done. Effectively, so we all have a kingdom. We all have a place where what we want to get done gets done. So that might be one, if you're a parent, that might be one tiny little room in your house where what you want to happen in that tiny little room in the house that you own gets done because everyone else is not allowed to be a part of that. That might be your shed, that might be your sewing room, that might be anywhere, but it's the place where what you want to get done gets done. And Willard tells us that God... Jesus came to this earth to bring the kingdom and the kingdom is where what God wants to get done gets done. 
So God is immense, he's omnipotent, he's huge, and God can do whatever God chooses to do. But God chooses to do his will through his people. So God chooses to carry out his will on earth through his people. And if you say yes to Jesus, if you say, I want to be a follower of Jesus, then you become someone who can bring the kingdom. You become someone who can bring the will of God onto this earth. Jesus prayed in his prayer, in the Lord's Prayer. Do you remember how the, how the Lord's Prayer goes? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy, on. Nicely done, people, nicely done. I was nervous there, but we did all right. But the idea is that we pray that what happens in earth will happen on, what happens in heaven, sorry, will happen on earth. And that happens through you and it happens through me. And this is the kingdom. This is what the kingdom is. The kingdom of God is not a church. It's not a denomination. It is a collection of people and it's where what happens in heaven happens on earth the way that God wants it to. So Jesus starts teaching about this idea of the kingdom because the disciples believe the kingdom is a political and a military force. They believe the kingdom is when you're on top, when you rule other people. And when you rule other people, you're the king and you're in the kingdom. The disciples are with Jesus. He is doing miraculous things. They believe he is going to introduce this new kingdom because he keeps on talking about it. And when he introduces this new kingdom, they are going to be like his generals. They are going to be the important people in this group. And he is telling them again and again and again and again that this kingdom is not like anything they've ever seen. In this kingdom, we love our enemies. In this kingdom, we look after the vulnerable, the poor, the widow and the orphan. In this kingdom, if someone slaps you on the face, you turn and offer your other side. In this kingdom, if a soldier oppresses you and makes you carry something for five miles, then you offer to carry it for ten. In this kingdom, it's not about who amasses the most amount of stuff, the most amount of money and the most amount of things. In this kingdom, it's about giving it away to those who are in need. This is like nothing they've ever heard before or ever wrapped their head around before, ever. This is the kingdom. And this is one of the stories where Jesus attempts to try and bring this idea and put some handles on it for his people so that they can understand it. Because when he dies and when he's gone, their job is going to be bringing the kingdom to earth. They will set up the kingdom on earth. So Matthew Chapter 13, and it's just a few verses. And it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he did it. So when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and brought that field. Let's read the last one together. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and brought it. Two stories, similar but different. So we've got the first setup is a farmer, a man who is uh, working the ground. He's got his plow, he's working the ground. In Jesus' time, there were no banks and there were no vaults and there were no safety deposit boxes and there was no internet. So your wealth had to be physically hidden. So as a family, as a collective, as a group, you would take what you had and you generally would dig a hole and you would bury it. And you would let everyone who was anyone know where your stuff was. And if there was a fight or a dispute or an invasion, 
you would know that your stuff was safely hidden in the ground. But if everybody in your family group got killed and your land was sold, whoever bought that land had ownership of what was on top of it and also what was underneath it. So the idea of a farmer farming and finding treasure was not an unusual one. It happened because people died all the time. So Jesus sets up this story saying there's this man and he's just doing his job. He's doing his nine to five. He's working. He's making his money. And as he's going along, he finds this thing in the ground. So think about that for just a moment. He's a a guy who doesn't own this field. He's doing work for someone else and he finds this treasure. This treasure will change his life and not only his, but also his family's life. And so he finds this treasure, he recognizes its value, and he gets everything he has, he sells it, and he buys that field so he can have that treasure. Story one. Story two. This is a a painting, uh, The Pearl of Great Price, by a man named Dominic Finetti in the 17th century. The difference with the merchant to the farmer is the merchant is a a man who has a trained eye. A merchant is someone who's able to spot value, spot something that is valuable. And once he does, he sells everything he has so he can find and have that great pearl. I went looking for the most expensive pearl in the world and this is what came up. That is a genuine pearl. It's a natural pearl. It's called the Lao Tzu, and it's a pearl from the Philippines. And this is worth about $3.5 million for this pearl. It was found in the 1930s, uh, and it weighs about 14 pounds, so about 5 kilos, 6 kilos, something like that. That was the most expensive pearl in the world. All of a sudden, another diver in the Philippines is diving around, and he finds this giant clam goes inside this giant clam, comes out, and he gets this thing. This thing is huge. It's about two foot long, and it weighs 75 pounds. 75 pounds. He got it, took it home to his little shack on the beach. He was a a guy who wasn't very wealthy, and thought he would keep it under his bed as a good luck charm. He didn't know what it was worth. He didn't know anything about it. He had this thing under his bed for 10 years. His house burns down. And he goes looking through the rubble and guess what's still there? This pearl. And so he says, I'll sell it and see if it's worth anything. A hundred million dollars. A hundred million dollars is what that pearl is worth. The merchant in our story is a person with a trained eye. He sees this perfect pearl. Perfect pearl. And when he sees it, he knows that this is worth everything that he has. And he must have it. He must look after it. He must treasure it. He must... He must sort of possess it. This pearl is a pearl of great worth. So let's compare the two stories, keeping in light this idea of the kingdom. So we have a farmer who's going about his everyday life. He's not particularly, uh, we don't think, think of him as an educated man in scripture or language or anything like that. He's getting his job done. And the farmer finds a treasure. And, and in this random find, he's able to recognize the value of this treasure and so he sells all that he has the other person is the merchant and the merchant is the person who is trained and educated in being able to spot and value something and when he sees this thing that is of great value he does the same he sells all that he has so that he can get a hold of this treasure what's jesus trying to do he's trying to teach these people about the kingdom 
Now their understanding of the kingdom at that point was a kingdom that was very much linked with military power and with authority. So the, the best people, the most educated people, the wealthiest people were on the top and they were the most blessed, the most godly and the people who were poor were down the bottom and they were perceived as not so blessed, not so holy. And that's the difference. And what Jesus is saying is a farmer who wasn't even looking found this thing of great value and he knew it was valuable and he grabbed a hold of it. And there was also an educated man who was intelligent and smart and knew what he was looking for and he found the same thing too. So this kingdom is not uh, something that is delineated by class. It's not something delineated by wealth. It's not something delineated by education or status. It's if you're able to see it and see the intrinsic value in it, Jesus says that this is what the kingdom is. It's no respecter of class. This guy uh, over here, this man here, his name is Ray Kroc. And if you've seen the movie Founder, you'll know a little bit about his story. But Ray Kroc was a milkshake salesman. And there were these two guys up here, uh, Richard and Maurice McDonald, and they started a restaurant. And at this restaurant, they sold hamburgers. And these two guys worked out this system of how to efficiently make a really efficient hamburger that was tasty, out of good quality, believe it or not, good quality ingredients. And they really prided themselves on how good the quality of the ingredients was and how consistent the experience was. Ray Kroc goes out there and he sells them a milkshake-making machine. He sees this restaurant, he sees this organization, and he goes, this thing is amazing. And he says to the two brothers, what if I put my money in and then we start another McDonald's somewhere? And the brothers go, who would want to eat my burgers in another place? And so they set up another restaurant and it works. And Ray goes, let's do it again. And so they do it again. And they do it three, four, five times. And Ray starts to say, this thing can be global. This thing can be across the entire world. And the brothers go, no, 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 we don't want to do that. Ray Kroc through. He was not a very ethical man, but he basically manipulated and tricked his way into buying the rights of the global rights of McDonald's from the brothers for two and a half million dollars. Two and a half million dollars. He buys the global rights. He holds the company for three or four years and he puts it on the open stock market and then it just goes, explodes and goes crazy. Ray Kroc, even though he wasn't a very ethical man, uh, Ray Kroc embodied what Jesus is saying. He saw this thing and he saw the value of it. And not only did he see the value of it, but he acted. Jesus is trying to say to these guys, here's this thing, here's this kingdom. You don't have to be educated. You can be a normal person. You can be an educated person. You can be a wealthy person, a poor person. doesn't matter. If you see it and you see the value of it, Grab a hold of it. And when you grab a hold of it, you need to jump in with both feet and you need to actually do something. Because you can know about God. You can know about forgiveness. You can know about the kingdom. You can know about these things. But if you don't do anything with it, it's virtually useless. Because if we go back to where we first started talking about bringing the kingdom, the kingdom happens through us. The kingdom of God is brought into this world the way that we act brings or delivers or offers some sort of understanding of who God is to the people around. We go back to our, our Genesis story and we go back to sort of the beginning of the world was about God bringing order from disorder. There was chaos and then God brought about this place of order and they called it Eden. 
And in Eden, things were, were as they were supposed to be. And Adam and Eve's job was to take that order and bring it out further and further and further and further into the world. That was the role of them. In this new kingdom that Jesus come, there's this beginning point in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The Holy Spirit comes in Jerusalem and this amazing stuff happens. And the idea is that, just like in Genesis, that they will take this and it will spread and it will go out and out and out and out and out. If you see a treasure, if you find the pearl and you look at it and you go, that's a beautiful pearl. That's an amazing pearl. I'll just put that down there and I'll walk away. You've completely missed the idea of the kingdom. The idea is, is that we see the preciousness of it, the beauty of it, the forgiveness of it, the freedom of it, the life. And we see it and we say, this is what everything is about. And we grab a hold of it. And everything that was valuable to us before, we hold in the context of the preciousness of this pearl, the preciousness of this treasure. And then we make our move to take that and share it with the people around us. How do we do that? We value what Jesus values. We love the unlovables. We care about those who are vulnerable. We take God's ideals of finance and the kingdom can come through the way that we spend our money. The kingdom comes through in the way that we spend our time. The kingdom comes through in the way that we conduct ourselves at home with our children, with our families, with our friends. The kingdom can come through a job at Bunnings as much as the kingdom can come through a job at Bentley Baptist Church. Because it's about your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that happens through us. It's an incredible responsibility. Amen? But it's also an incredible privilege. Because you have the ability to be able to show people that there is a treasure and a pearl. You are able to show them that by the way that you live. By what has transformed in you. And the disciples start to work out uh, as time goes by and after Jesus dies, they start to work out that this thing, this Christianity is going to cost them everything. And from what we understand, they are, they are willing, it's a sacrifice that they are willing to make because they believe it to be such a treasure. So I think the challenge for us is it can be very easy for us to see things. It can be very easy for us to see treasure. It can be very easy for us to see a pearl. You might have sat in church your whole life and you've heard sermons and messages and and ideals and you know about God and you know about forgiveness and you know about freedom and you know about heaven and you know about hope and you know all of those things. And they sit here and you acknowledge them as true and you think that they are high ideals and it's great. But it means very little, very little, unless you are willing to take the next step. Unless you are willing to live out that kingdom stuff in the way that you go about your everyday life. Until you are willing to live out the kingdom of God in the way you spend your money. Until you are willing to live out the kingdom of God in what you do with your time. Until you are willing to live out the kingdom of God by looking after those who are vulnerable, then it means very, very little. Jesus didn't want people who just knew about the right things. He had those with the Pharisees. Do you remember? The Pharisees were the people who knew all the right things but didn't want to live those things out or only lived a version of those things out. And Jesus comes up to them with this message of this kingdom where we love the vulnerable, we love the unlovables, where we love God and we give ourselves over to Him and they didn't mix. Those two things didn't mix. So the call for us 
is the same call to the merchant and the same call to the farmer. Are we going to be people who see the treasure, acknowledge the treasure, and sell everything we have, metaphorically, sell everything we have to be able to hold on to that treasure and see it as valuable? Because unless we are willing to take that next step, we're defining how treasure and how valuable that that treasure actually is. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we sit in this church and it's comfortable and it's nice, we've all probably had a good breakfast. We're all probably going to go and enjoy a good lunch. Things are good for us here. We don't struggle a lot. Not many of us go genuinely without. It's pretty easy to just push your stuff aside and go about our life. Lord, I pray and I ask that we will see the treasure. Maybe we've sat in church all our lives. Maybe we've sat in this church all of our lives. And maybe we've heard the stories again and again. Maybe we've heard about the cross and we've heard about forgiveness and we've heard about heaven and we've heard about hell and we've heard about a life with God. And we acknowledge it, but we do nothing with it. Holy Spirit, would you convict us to action? Would you convict us to like these two in the story, to sell all we have, to, to abandon ourselves to the truth and the reality of this treasure? And would you help us to live that out, your kingdom values out in our everyday world, in our everyday walk? So is that how I do everything I do points to your kingdom and points to your goodness. And I pray that we can bring order into chaos in the simplest, simplest things that we do. Convict us, lead us and empower us because without your strength and without your spirit and without your supernatural empowerment, we can do nothing. Empower us, equip us and give us the courage to risk, I pray. We bring all of these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Thank you, church.